0: Welcome to 3 a.m. What's Keeping You Up at Night, a production of the McFarlane Group. We continue our series from white to anti-racist with Joshua Mundy, co-founder of Pivot Tech Coding and Analytics School here in Nashville. A recent expand webinar introduced me to Joshua and his work. The EXPAND program, brainchild of Asurian, a global insurance company, brings DEI thought leaders to the businesses of the greater Nashville area and beyond to dig into the practice of inclusion in their workspaces. Joshua is a successful serial entrepreneur. He has added the Pivot Tech School to his portfolio. Pivot Tech is a software development and data analytics school. Pivot Tech School's mission is to create avenues that empower a highly diverse demographic, by providing industry-leading training in high-demand technology skills. Their goal is to get more minorities involved in technology careers. In his engaging way, he called out webinar attendees to do more than simply hire his graduates with their excellent tech skills, but to also create a culture of acceptance and inclusion, rather than that of assimilation into cultural norms that in fact underscore the act of othering and marginalization so that as Assurian's Kimberly Tate described, all employees can be their best self at their workplace. Joshua also called out tech firms to develop pipelines for people of color to increase their skill sets for advancement within the company. He is a man on a mission with an inspiring vision for what access, equity, inclusion, and success can look like for everyone. This episode provides the actionable steps all of you have been asking us to provide. As ever, we are supported once again by the wonderful folks at Relationary Marketing still guiding us through recording sessions at our own homes, mine in a two-by-six closet stuffed with pillows, and my guests in their own imaginatively concocted studios. So now you understand the sound differentials that may occur during the series taped during COVID. There is so much to learn from Joshua Mundy. Let's jump in. Joshua, thank you so much for joining us on 3 a.m. What's keeping you up at night? It truly is an honor. I want to frame this a little bit in terms of the economic transformation of the country, and then how the systemic racism has really othered people of color in a variety of ways. And so kind of give us our footing in that sense, and then how Pivot Technology School seeks to override that, answer that, break it down, et cetera. So for me, if we think about just the context of the history of the country, we move from agrarian, obviously, manufacturing service to this this new economy, although it's not really new, there was a book out by Tucker probably, oh gosh, 15, 20 years ago, called The Thinking Economy, mm-hmm. which is really where tech for me kind of sits, and you can certainly help me with that. Yeah. But I'd love to talk about the phenomena of the thinking economy and how racism can be bedeviled by that, right? We can un- we can undo it, but how it really can cause a significant barrier challenge to people of color. Could you speak about that as we set the frame?
1: Yeah. So uh, again, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, This is a very much so important topic and how racism has really shaped everything. And if you think about like just the history of the country, this country was built on the backs of African-American people, you know, Mm. slaves. So if you think about 400 years of free labor, okay? So you was able to build economy for you, your family, and generations to come for 400 years and not have to pay anybody to do it. Mm -hmm. You just think about that type of head start when it comes to economy. So if you fast forward and look today, that racism, there has been opportunities created for African-American people, but it has not been enough and we still have roadblocks and still have to jump over 100 hoops when it comes to creating opportunities. So Pivot Technology School, our mission is to really create a pathway to success and create a pathway to really close that wealth gap because it's a huge gap. Now, there's no way that we can close 400 years of a gap, but we could really accelerate it by giving people skills that can translate into opportunity. Uh, so if you look at now, technology is the wave of the future. Everything is being done by technology. COVID-19 has proved that to us that without technology, we will be in a world of trouble. Uh, so the world and everything, technology is the great equalizer. So it's our job to really you know, give people the skills that they need so they can thrive. If you look at when we talk about wealth gap, we look at you know the average wage or the average income for a single African American person is thirty five thousand dollars. Okay, the average income for a household combined, so that's a man and a woman in the household, is fifty eight thousand dollars. Now the average income or the average salary for a, a junior level tech person is $65,000. So we able to get one person trained in a household and they they leave our mm-hmm. program making $65,000 and the other person is making thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Guess what? That's a six figure household. Mm-hmm. That's how you close the wealth gap. And you can close it immediately by giving people skills. Now, look, you know, we cannot force organizations and corporations to create opportunities. But what we can do is give people the skills so that they can apply for those jobs. And hopefully we can cut down the systematic racism within those organizations. So those organizations can take down their biases and start hiring our people.
0: Well, and that's what I I think was so interesting about the conversation that you folks had the other day through the expand program was this notion of, it's great, and a company can congratulate themselves on hiring those who have suffered under barriers into the tech space, but it's one thing to get them in the picture and in the brochure and to report out, right, like everybody's reporting out now, look how many people of color we've hired, right. um, and, and let me even drill down from that, and these are folks, you know, these are first generations, I mean, right, we can really make it so that the picture's terrific. The one thing you stressed, which I thought was critical and is a turning point, is it's about retention. So, And few of the conversations to date have been about retention. Exactly. So can you talk a little bit about what that means to not only provide the opportunity, but try to keep the person? And again, not just so you can brag, but keep the person and then develop that person for career ascension within that company yes. and then within the tech space. Can we speak about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the most important key. I think, like I said on that day is, is that organizations and people, we are very reactionary, like things like George Floyd, things that happen make us uncomfortable. It makes us so uncomfortable that we feel like we have to act and move right now, that we have to make immediate and fast change. But the immediate and fast change is never lasting. It's a reaction. So you're gonna see something, you're gonna react immediately. Oh man, look, we we've hired ten people. We've hired 10 black people and 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 look at our stats. But at the end of the day, how many did you retain? How many people that you hired moved up to senior level positions or C-suite positions like Okay, it's one thing to bring them in, but what does that look like to really matriculate or have them matriculate within your organization and they fail to do that. So we have to build frameworks and blueprints around what does that look like when we onboard somebody and are we tied to their success and how do we create a culture that celebrates that and not just, you know, shuns that because if you look at our white counterparts, you know, that's that's why they hate Black Lives Matter, okay? That's why they hate that mm-hmm. phrase because, hey, your life is not above anybody else, but that's not what it says. Right. <laughs> it's just saying that we matter as well. Like, you know, have you realized we we matter too? But, you know, they spend that to say all oh, lives we all matter. Yeah, so you want to create that culture because there's people within that organization that has that same thought. They will say, hey, man, that's just a diversity hire. Oh, that's just a black hire, they got to meet right. quota. And you're not really putting the frameworks to make sure that they are successful. You can hire all the black people all day long, but if they feel uncomfortable, they're not gonna stay. You know? So I think we have to spend more time of not reacting, but really building true blueprints.
0: Yeah, I love the word blueprint because it gives everybody's wondering about actionable steps, right? Like you see there's a problem and you want to fix it. And, and you're right, if it's done quickly, It's not going to be inculcated, right? It's just going to be that Band-Aid or that new shiny bling that you, again, get to put in a picture, get it on your website. It was interesting. I saw, I I don't remember, I'm sure it was on LinkedIn, but there was a post the other day that questioned about the, like you said, the minority hire or however, right? We're framing that depending depending on whatever verbiage we're supposed to use at the time. And so the gentleman said, wouldn't it be cool... And the marginalization of a minority higher, right? It's yeah. almost like the first-generation students who are people of color, it's like, well, you got in because, not because you're smart, because you have to be smarter, not because you did things ter- extracurricularly, but you did more. I mean, not even understanding that the standards are higher for 1st generations, but particularly for people of color. But this one of was like, wouldn't it be cool in a world if we get to the place where we can actually call out homogeneity as a hire as well. So like, oh, so you got it because you look like, right? You look like the C-suite people versus that person has, you know, look where they went to school, look what they've done, et cetera. And so there's no, you know, the differentiation is called out in terms of the hire. I thought, wow, well, that is, and it was a person of color who was offering this idea. And I thought, wow, these labels, I think are sometimes used to assuage the guilt. They're seen as a marker of perhaps advancement, but I wonder, right? Right. So what I'm hearing is that the organization needs to respond, but I also think we forget a lot, well, particularly as a white person, you don't necessarily think about the pressures that are inherent to a person of color, breaking barriers, certainly economically, but Breaking barriers by being either an initial, a first, coming from a program, et cetera, somehow there is some label attached to them coming into a workspace. Can you talk about what employers need to understand in terms of bringing people of color new to tech into that world, which honestly... Joshua seems like the coolest place would be open arms. You know, it's the Kumbaya circle. So, but I understand it might be a little bit more bloodthirsty than that. So, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that?
1: Yeah, if the show's not Kumbaya, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you would think, you know, but it's really about being intentional, man. Like, mm. people are not intentional. So, they bring you on and leave you on an island and expect you to mess up. And it's set up oh, for wow. failure. Set up for failure, not for success. Okay, because if they set you up for failure, guess what? They say, oh, look, that's Mm -hmm. why we ain't been hiring them because they Mm -hmm. fell on their face Mm -hmm. instead of wrapping the support and wrapping around them so they can be successful. We are not Jesus Christ. You know, black people are not the second coming of God. You cannot expect us to be perfect on every job or opportunity that you give to us. That's what they look for. They're looking for, you can't make mistakes. You're walking on eggshells. You're scared. You're already yes. You already have imposter syndrome because you're don't. you not confident. And then, you know, they are hovering over you, like, you know, waiting for you to make a mistake. And it's just, you know, you create that bad energy. And it's just really about creating where it can be a success. So it's maybe partnering with somebody on the team to help you get onboarded properly. I mean, it's just so many things that you can do to put in place so that that person of color can be a success in the organization. But you really have to be intentional. It cannot be where well, I just hired somebody and then you throw them to the wolves? Then they, as soon as they mess up or as soon as your patience is wearing thin, then it's, oh, this is why we haven't been doing this because they, they're not that good. So we, we just have to eliminate all of the outs because it may be, like I always say, it has to come from the top. When the top is leading the charge, the, the bottom will follow. But if it's coming from the middle and the top is not filling it, then it's going to always be looking to get it out. And then they'll be able to use that out and say, this is why we have not been able to hire people from Pivot because X, Y, and Z didn't do well. So just wow. about being intentional.
0: That's an incredible amount of pressure. You know, I have to say that as a woman, I know it's not the same for a white woman, for sure. But if you're going into traditionally male-dominated industries, then you do feel that pressure to be, I'm just trying to equate it, right? I mean, in, in my meek way, I'm trying to feel a little bit of that and understand I, that's probably particularly um, presumptuous. But this notion of if you come into a place that before has not been accepting... It's this constant auditioning is what I'm hearing, right? And and oh, yeah. you've got the producer and the director and like the musical director sitting there in the theater. You're up on stage. You're all vulnerable. You're giving it your best. And all they're waiting for you to do is to hit that note wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they can say, "Yep, yeah, no, we knew that was going to happen. Uh, so exactly. thanks so much. That's, is. that's an incredible amount of pressure for anybody, particularly those and this you know kind of human wide right particularly those who are looking to pioneer into different fields different industries different interests it's what i've heard through this series joshua is this having to prove what you're not before you can show them what you are yep and that's got to be exhausting on a variety of levels because it's not just about if you've got the goods for the work because I think that's one thing that seems to be the... Well, if, if they know how to do it, if it's coding or, or you know analyzing Excel sheets, whatever, if they know how to do that, it's going to work out. But what I'm also hearing from you and from others, but especially from the expand event was, if that were only true, <laughs> right? If it was only about being able to do the tech work, right? Having those skill sets to complete the job, but that feels more like outsourcing. That doesn't feel like somebody who's embraced by the culture and, to your point, doesn't have to assimilate but can bring themselves into the culture, and that will be embraced as well. I think Kimberly Tate said something about that. Like You have yes. to be able to come to work to be your best self. So can you talk about that so that the folks that you are training at Pivot Technology School, they've got the goods, right? They've got the talent. They know how to do the work, but it's then preparing them to be a part of a culture that may not recognize it is unwelcoming. How do we help that?
1: You know, a lot of these organizations have these ERG organizations and they have, you know, they're trying, but you really have to just look at your culture from the inside out and be realistic and understand that, hey, man, we do have a problem. A lot of people don't feel like they have a problem. They feel like they've been doing the right thing, and they look up, and they have 50 white men working in the IT department. And they say, man, we've been we've been trying. You know, we've been looking. But, uh, you know, and it's just really about, it goes back to the word intentional. And you have to be intentional that I, Joshua, don't have to go into a situation and have to change who I am to fit what you all have going on. I want to be able to be Joshua and come and add value to what you all have going on. So they just really have to realize that, man, you know, we bring value. You know, diversity brings value. Different thought brings value. So it's just really about, you know, being embracing of other cultures and understanding that you don't understand the culture, you know? I think (laughs) the thing about it is I, I feel like I don't know if it's television, I don't know what it is that uh, white individuals have like drawn in their heads of how black folks are and how we act and what we like and what we don't like and things of that nature that it stifles growth. So it's like, you really have to come in and, and these organizations, these team leaders or whoever, they have to have an open mind to say, look, my preconceived notions of what African-American people are and what they bring to the table, I'm going to come with a clean slate and I'm going to be open and I'm not going to have any barriers in my own mind to not allow me to accept this person because that's what happens. You know, they think, hey, you're going to be pulling up to work with your loud music playing. It's just like all of these preconceived things that, white folks have in their minds about us. And it's just, it it bothers me. And I'm like, yo, I like nice stuff too. Every black person does not live in a ghetto. Every black person, we have gone to college. Every black person, like all of the things that black people are vegan. We're vegetarian as well. Like it's not this cookie cutter thing that we all don't have gold teeth in our mouth. Like, You have these preconceived things that you create in your mind and then that's what you leave with. That's what the man was like, well, hey, we can't talk about skin. Why the hell we can't talk about skin? You know, like, (laughs) we can travel too. We go to Denver, you know, like, yo. (laughs) Like you say, you can't talk talk about the beach. Yes, you can. I go on vacation too. (laughs) What are you talking about? So these preconceived things that that are in folks' mind, they have to really be willing to just chip it away, give us a clean slate, and then you'll see. Like, oh, okay, we we have a lot more in common than you think. You know, we have more in common than we do not in common. So let's just figure out what we have in common and build from there. But don't let's not build from what you think how black people should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great way to segue into the work that you and your tremendous team are doing at Pivot Technology School, that the name of the school seems to underscore the right, the identity statements of mission, vision, and core values. Yep. So let's go ahead and just start like how it got started, but the yeah. name and the messaging in that in the name itself is so important. So mm-hmm. let's start right there as we learn. Yeah,
1: so in 2019, I was a part of this leadership cohort with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Nashville Chamber of Commerce. So we spent 10 weeks studying everything that Nashville had going on when it comes to education, crime and safety, poverty, homelessness, like all these subjects that we had going on. So we would listening to these local experts when it comes to these subjects. Then at the end of it, we traveled uh, to Austin, Texas to really understand Austin, Texas infrastructure because they always compare Nashville and Austin fearing that we're kind of growing in the same kind of name and vein. And Austin is a huge technology hub. So we were going to all these technology hubs and they was every place we were going They were coding, building apps, learning how to code, running technology companies, doing all these things. And I looked around and I did not see anybody that looked like me. I'm talking about not one person. I did not see not one black person in any of these technology hubs. And then really the whole trip, which was really just kind of (laughs) shocking to me, is that Austin doesn't have any diversity to me, based upon the trip that we, we went to the trip, we were the only Black people that I saw on Mm -hmm. the trip for three days. Okay? I'm talking about (laughs) not even the the desk help, not even the bartenders, not (laughs) no helpers, none of that. It Uh, was no African-American people on the trip. Except the ones that traveled with me. And that was like six of us. Okay, So, when I got back, so mind you, At the time, I had a co-working space called The Lab. So in that co-working space was just giving smaller entrepreneurs a a space so they could come and collaborate and we could help build and scale their businesses. So when I got back, I said, you know what, I'm going to create a technology hub in my co-working space. So my co-working space is located where my businesses were located on the corner of 7th and Jefferson, Now, I don't know if you're you're listeners, you have listeners all across the world. So this is a a street in Nashville. So Nashville, Tennessee, uh, there's a street called Jefferson Street, which is rich in history, has three HBCUs. It's a predominantly or was a predominantly African-American area. So on the corner of 7th and Jefferson, I had three businesses in that space, which was a, a dry cleaners, a co-working space and an event space. In that working space, I envisioned, I said, look, I'm going to create a technology company in this space, teaching, coding, data analytics, just what I saw in Austin. I'm like, no, I'm going to to bring this to the corner of 7th and Jefferson and be a light of innovation in this corridor. You know, we're going to be coding and doing this thing. So in 2019, me and my now business partner came up with the name Pivot. Because we felt like, you know, this was an opportunity so people can pivot their career. Not knowing in 2020 that the whole world would have (laughs) to pivot. (laughs) So it's really about like a God thing when it comes to the school. Like it's really, I'm telling you, it's like a God thing for real. It's a God thing. Okay. So let's, let's just talk about it. All right. So on 2019, we came up with the name Pivot Technology School. We start going on this journey. Now, mind you, I do not have a tech background at all. All right. I'm just a passionate entrepreneur that believes in creating spaces and things that benefit generally our community. It benefits everybody, but it benefits our community. So we went on this journey and my business partner has a tech background. I don't. But like all of the pieces started coming together when it comes to really making this thing happen. Now, we did not know how it was gonna happen. I just knew that it needed to happen and I was gonna go and start moving in the direction to make it happen. So we started doing that, put it all the way together and then we started promoting and then people started signing up to be a part. So on March the 3rd was our very first day of classes. On March the 3rd at one o'clock in the morning, my life changed forever. March the 3rd was the great tornado Oh, I that knew hit yes Nashville. Okay? Yes. So my vision, vision, man, going to have a technology hub, boom, right here in the middle of North Nashville, and we're going to be driving and literally having a planning session because... The very first day of classes was going to be in my building on March the 3rd. The tornado wiped out the location.
0: Oh, Joshua.
1: Yeah. So, March the 3rd. So, it was, I gave birth to a new vision and idea and also lost three businesses at the same time. Yeah. Wow. But the vision kept going. So, literally, it was almost like God was saying, look, I'm going to protect you before you even know you need protection. Mm. So it was like the three businesses that I had would have all been impacted by the pandemic. <gasps> Every last one of them. Yes. The dry cleaners, yep. people are, People work from home now. The yep. co-working space, people can't be in close proximity to each other. The event space, people can't have events. Right. And he gave me something in 2019 that was birthed in 2020 that could really win in a pandemic. That's and amazing. that's a technology school.
0: <laughs> so that's amazing. That is
1: the kind of the story. <laughs> so you know, we've been really going and building from there, and we've had great success and people now seeing the importance of technology, they have been just wanting to get the training that they need. And we have great partners in the community that have been hiring our students. And everybody, you know, the community is on board with what our mission is, because our mission is to build up and close the wealth gap by utilizing technology and giving people the skills that they need to thrive.
0: That's such a gorgeous story. It's using the reality of today to at least attempt to open access based, as you said, on an industry that really is open to everyone. So I really want everyone to look at, at the website. There's a lot of ways to onboard to help pivot tech. Um, yeah. And I encourage everyone to do that. We'll certainly put that in all of our uh, social media stuff. But I was looking um, through some of the way you've kind of integrated this. And it, it does allow for the students, it, the classes are just sound fabulous, are accessible, and it can either be kind of a longer term thing, a 20-week offering, mm-hmm. or yeah. can be those kind of kind of little tidbits from a menu. So if the yeah. 20 weeks is not going to work, then you can still get stuff. I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And I was looking also in terms of two things. The sponsors are incredibly uh, impressive, Dollar General, Republic Schools, Amazon, I don't know how to say it. I'll say Geotis. And then Striver. I was just amazed at. And it sounds like Striver's work in virtual reality and immersive learning is what you guys are thinking about, you know, just like, let's get it, get in, get it done. And, and let's, let's then move in, into the pipeline. So kudos to that. I mean, that's just amazing to grab all that kind of sponsorship level support. And I know that it continues to grow. I only listed a few of the sponsors. We'll take a short break and be back with Joshua Mundy. The Macfarlane Group works with nonprofit social impact organizations who are determined to serve more. We help leadership meet their intended outcomes, expand their portfolio of services, and provide greater impact to those they serve. Our process brings clarity, confidence, and control to their work clarity by working with the organization to achieve meaningful results, confidence in themselves and their team to implement their strategy, and control to take high-value actions to achieve their intended results. Let's connect to see how we can walk alongside you to develop a strategy for you and your organization for greater impact to serve more. Contact us at www.themcfarlangroup.com. And now, back to our conversation. I love and I'm intrigued by the mentoring program. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then really talking to folks who are listening, like how can they get involved?
1: Yeah, so we realize is that we are taking people that have never really embraced or been exposed to technology in this way. Okay, we have been mostly consumers of technology and not producers of technology. So when you're teaching someone new things, it's like teaching somebody that's been speaking English all their life to teach them Spanish and French at the same time because that's what Mm -hmm. it is, all right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what we realize is that we have to wrap people around with all of the things necessary for them to be successful, all right? Because the first muscle that they're going to activate is the quit muscle, the quit muscle is, is that, hey, <laughs> this is too hard. Mm. Oh, I cannot do this. Oh, my word. What the what in the word have I got myself into? Mm. And so we have to wrap them up with services and people so that they can be successful. So the mentoring portion of our program is, is that we try to connect them with people that are in the industry that they can have a sounding board with. So Mm -hmm. sounding board, like, hey, you know, I'm having a hard time, or, oh, it's going well, but just really build a relationship with somebody outside of Pivot Technology School, because we try to, you know, we have our student liaison, we have our instructors that talk with them, but just having that extra layer of support is important. Now, how you can get involved? We we have several ways, you know. One as an organization, if you have a company or organization. You can get involved by, hey, hiring uh, some of our students, you know, creating opportunities for our students to creating scholarships. Uh, Scholarships are very, very much so important. And we're working on our 501C3 arms so that companies and organizations can get those write offs. So we are working on that. But scholarships are important because a lot of our students don't have the means or the resources to get the skills, but they want the skills. So we try Mm -hmm. to offset their tuition. So that's with scholarships and organizations giving whatever they can, $500, $100, $200. And we put that towards some people's tuition. Now, what we do require is that everybody brings something to the table. It's Mm -hmm. not a free ride thing. So you have to put some skin in the game. You have to pay your deposit regardless. Mm -hmm. If you can't pay it, you have to figure it out because- Again, when you don't have skin in the game, guess what you activate? You activate that quit muscle. It allows you to say, hey, man, this is too hard. I'm going to walk away because you don't have nothing in it. But when you have something in it, you're not so quick to walk away. So from scholarships to mentorship to providing opportunities are some of the ways that you can really get involved uh, with Pivot Technology School.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that the mentoring piece seems to be an easy on board and I my suspicion is that if if anybody literally go to the website and figure it out it sounds really easy a kind of a biweekly communication and you know really following the student and meeting the student where they are and and leaning in where necessary and I have to say when I was sponsorship stuff is is really important in the scholarship stuff I am so Grateful to you that you ascribe to the it's important for everyone to have skin in the game so that you can really, really own your success. So I, I appreciate that. I noticed a little bit of crowdfunding on the website for yep. a couple students, which I thought was extremely creative. Can you walk me through that?
1: Yeah, so we try all different types of things to get people funded to go through the program. So these two young ladies really wanted to go through the program, didn't have the means to go through the program. And we was like, well, what way, what ways can we help them raise money to get through the program? So that's what we, we put together, like this crowdfunding thing and to see if that worked. You know, we are willing to try anything. We don't have no bone or pride about anything. Like, yo, <laughs> you want to go through the program? All right, let's figure it out. But what we're going to do is you can go through the program and we're going to try to help you raise money as well,
0: to go through the program. Yeah, I think it's really powerful because it gives students agency. And it's great to have corporate, individual, foundational support for the students. And I think that's all terrific, but bringing their own resources also, and it also underscores for anyone, you know, here are some of the things you need and the skills you need to be successful, so why not... I mean, it's great you're going to give those to a company or a corporation or some entity, but how about providing it for yourself as well? Because that's yep. a different way to build that skill set. And it allows that person to say, not only did I invest my time, but I'm kind of my whole being in this because I provided that opportunity, which is a break really from a more systemic kind of racist attitude of, well, let me help. Here's a handout, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's and it really goes even beyond a lift up from somebody else. It's like, no, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to make this happen. So, I mean, I appreciate all that. I thought that was just a really interesting way to, to consider it from the school itself. I thought that was terrific. So I really do urge people to go and see how they can get involved with Pivot Tech. It's, it's a terrific thing. And it. So what would the long-range vision because you, you clearly are a gentleman of vision. And what I can hear, Joshua, is you see it. It's not just mm-hmm. this abstract, would this be nice? I mean, you absolutely see it down to the detail yeah. to be able to call out kind of these systemic challenges and racism to say, And so here's what needs to happen, right? So explain and describe, if you would, the long-range vision for pivot tech or what pivot tech might even morph into or other ideas you have for this this lifting up and creating a culture in industries Mm -hmm. for retention, right? Not just for recruitment.
1: Yeah, so the vision is really all coming together. So we have launched... Several things, or in the process of launching, several things that complement Pivot. One thing I do notice, and what one thing that I do I believe is, is that I don't believe in waiting for somebody to create an opportunity for me. I go and create the opportunities for myself. So when I started seeing the pushback in the corporate space when it comes to providing opportunities, what we did was we went and created a staffing company. And our staffing company is focused on getting contract opportunities so that we can get our students placed and get them experience and then they can leverage their experience with us to go get some real money. So we launched a staffing company. We're currently launching our 501c3, which is called the Pivot Project, uh, which is going to just really be about creating scholarships for people to go through the school. And then we're going to be doing some summer summer camp coding camp things when it comes to the community. Also too, this is something new. I woke up this morning, actually I've been passing by this place. I'm gonna say it right here on your podcast and I believe it's going to happen, okay? So I envision Pivot Technology School in the old Watkins College building. And I envision that Belmont is gonna give it to us. Look oh yeah, that is just some. I am putting it out there in the atmosphere <laughs> right now because Belmont, they bought Watkins College. And I think they're integrating what Watkins do in the Belmont University. And so Watkins College built this uh, campus in Metro Center. So when Belmont, I guess, acquired them, so they put it's up for sale. So when I passed by it the other day, it already has the pivot colors on the you. building. And
0: I say, you know what? Oh, it's ready to move in.
1: Yeah. I think Belmont is going to give me this building. <laughs> not make, not pay me pay for it. I believe that Belmont is going to give me this building. And guess what? I think they're going to give it to me. So I just wanted to put that out. I just wanted to put that out there in the podcast universe. So we, we're looking for just a headquarters. We're going to continue to be virtual because being virtual allows us to reach the world. We're a global company now. We were really just stuck on the brick and mortar when we uh, had our location. But when the tornado came, it really expanded Mm. our vision and to allow us to see that when we can really be a global company. So we have students all across the country right now from Atlanta, Houston, uh, Dallas, Ghana, like literally all over the world pivoting their career because it's all virtual. They can be in the comforts of their home. It's live instruction on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we'll continue to do that, but I always envision an innovation center, an innovation center where kids are learning how to build video games, mm. and they're into the music and the arts, and they're learning how to film, and, and I have all of these other like nonprofit organizations within that that teach those things like entrepreneurship. And so I see this innovation center that's right there in Metro Center, that is this place, where innovation takes place, right there, where they're building robots and automation and all of this cybersecurity stuff. And, you know, they learn it so much. And that's just going to be the hub of innovation right there. So I I really want one hub. It doesn't have to be all across the country, but I do want one hub for innovation that's teaching all of these new age concepts that's going to really run our life for the next 50 years. Wow.
0: Well... I have absolutely no doubt, and we'll make sure that the link to this podcast gets to Dr. Fisher at Belmont. I'm sure he would be proud to partner with you, Joshua, proud to partner with you.
1: And I don't know Dr. <laughs> Fisher, but you're going to see something Thursday. Watch. <laughs> so I'm going to send it to you first, Deborah. I'm going to send it to you That's first. Awesome. <laughs> that. I'm going to put something together and I'm going to reach out to Belmont, but I'm going to do it in a way that's going to make them respond. So I'm going to put it out there. So if I call them, they're not going to answer the phone. So I have to do it in a creative way so they respond and they can sit at the table with me and they can gift Pivot Technology School that building. So yeah, we're going to make it happen.
0: Awesome. I just, Oh my gosh. I am so glad to be even in your cyber company. So this is amazing. So Certainly, you've inspired everyone who's going to listen to this podcast. But who inspires you?
1: Oh, who inspires me? I would say my mother. My mother is the inspiration behind everything that I Mm -hmm. do. Because, you know, I want to be able to give her the life that she always wanted. And that's what inspires me every day, to... Be able to retire my mother mm. is my inspiration because I saw what we went through her raising us and raising us to be the way that we are. And that was an inspiration to me. And I'm, I want, I'm ready to pay it forward back to her. So that's my greatest inspiration right there. And my son as well, you know, like my son uh, is uh, really important to me because I just see the legacy play, like I really want to pass down a great legacy to him so he can carry it on. He doesn't have to start from ground zero. He can start with a head start. So he's another inspiration as well.
0: Well, I think the legacy you're leaving is wonderfully for your for your son and obviously for your mom to be really proud of. But what you're doing in Nashville is so consequential to the future of the city itself. And I hope that we do distinguish ourselves, at least from the aspect that you described Austin had that felt, I'm sure, uh, alienating and uncomfortable. So I appreciate that so much that you're doing that, Joshua. So we talked a lot about um, all that tech has to do for causing folks to find a different kind of future than one they may have believed that they had to go into or that was the only option. Do you see anything else on the horizon? You've touched on entrepreneurism. And I think, I mean, you're, you're a glowing example of that, particularly after going through the Young Leaders Council and then deciding to change the world on Jefferson Street. What are some barriers or some challenges that black entrepreneurs currently face?
1: Oh. So, Besides
0: everything.
1: <laughs> uh, so it's a couple of things that are great equalizers. Mm. Entrepreneurship is one. Technology is another. Entrepreneurship, the ability to really create your own way and own path is the way to go. Now, what happens is, is that we get stuck in the small business space Mm. because we don't have access to the capital to get us to the Fortune 500. Mm. So that is really the number one challenge when it comes to African-American businesses is that we don't have the direct line to access or the direct line to capital so that we can scale our businesses. So we have to stay in the mom and pop ecosystem because of that. So that's really the only, I would say the only challenge, but, you know, we learn how to take lemons and make lemonade. Mm-hmm. So we scrap and claw and bite and fight until we get to where we need to be. But we're resilient. We are resilient people. So any challenge, we overcome it. I would say that's the number one thing is just the lack of access to capital.
0: Yeah, it just seems the thread, not only in this conversation, but in past conversations and through the reading and listening to people over the last six months, is, it really is about the money. Yep. And it's figuring out, I think we've said before, that voting rights are great and getting freedom is great. But when there's no financial backing that goes with that, I mean, there was you know a whole group of people got a mule and 40 acres, but not the folks who had <laughs> built the country on their backs, exactly. but that's not something obviously I've made up. That's what said over and over and others in a variety of ways. So it, I am inspired by all of this work to open up pipelines, to open up conversations, to open up ways for folks economically to move forward, scholastically, academically to move forward, socially to move forward, all of this. But this undergirding of wealth, this disparity of wealth I don't want it to be, it seems like it's a generation or two away. It doesn't have to be, I understand that, particularly with the work you and your your fellow pioneers are taking on. But it feels like it's this funding. And I think that that's something that particularly those that hold the privilege need to really truly understand, that it's less a matter of making up time. It's a matter of just, look, let's all start from the same starting blocks and making it so this goes back to the notion for you of the include creating the inclusive culture is it truly is more than just that bumper sticker we're all in this together it truly is this we're all in this together it, were it not for the tone of someone's skin if you know we all were choose a color purple this visual demarcation wouldn't be this barrier now I understand that really is simplistic based upon hundreds of years of the denigration of a a race for control. But this is the piece. The money is the piece. Yes. And we need to make it so that it's not, you know, these sponsors, if if I might, and I understand any sponsorship is going to be great, but let's use the sponsorships to lift up, not to assuage. So assuaging yes. guilt is one thing, but that's not something that goes on and on. If you're thinking about changing the trajectory for people of all ages, because that's what Pivot Tech does, right? All ages.
1: All ages, yep.
0: So if you're thinking about providing financial assistance and understanding that that financial assistance is not going to be ongoing, because to your point, as soon as folks understand how that all can work and how the funding works and you know, just all those resources become more open, those things, hopefully you're going to work yourself out of needing scholarships and that it's there's going to be a way that the mechanisms of funding are going to be open to all as they are now for folks of privilege who do have this inherited wealth, which gets them 60 steps ahead. But it does seem to be this funding thing that we all need to really think about. So there is no true equal starting place. It's that video done by sociologists. I'm sure you've seen it, Joshua. It's probably several years old. You have you know, a bunch of college kids standing at a particular starting line. And then this gentleman says, okay, now step forward, if step forward, if, and very soon you see that there's a whole bunch of students who are held back on the first or second items of the checklist, they have to stop. And to understand that those students may be the ones who change our political system so that we actually can speak to each other or they cure cancer or they Develop something in technology that detects Alzheimer's sooner or, 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 right? Or develop some kind of housing project that, to your point, is a community of creativity and what that looks like. I mean, all these kinds of things. So we can change behavior, we can hire people, we can even seek to retain them. But this whole holding on to this funding, holding on to the wealth as though it's a slice of pie. And that sure. privilege is a slice of pie versus understanding it is a very fragile and can be taken at any time. You know whites have enjoyed it for hundreds of years here and beyond that in civilization, but understanding that that it really is a very transient kind of thing. And not because of uprisings, yep. right? It's because of understanding that there is this moment when we could finally get that it has to do with the essence of the person, not the perceived and prejudiced stereotypes of their actions. Yep. Anyway, I didn't Come on. didn't mean to go on like that, but you have taught no. me a lot in this conversation, and I'm, I'm very excited by that. I, I appreciate it. Unfortunately, it is time to wrap. We'll have to find okay. another time when, when we can get together and, and uh, I can get more inspired and find ways to be of more help to pivot technology school. But I am so grateful for this time. I'm grateful for the energy you've poured into the podcast And providing for us some actionable steps as well as your vision and what we can see happen with Pivot Technology School as a community and and as its own little ecosystem as well, feeding into the larger ecosystem with some super talented folks who are pivoting to make sure that the economy stays relevant to their life versus having to stay relevant to the economy. So. Is there any kind of last thing, you know, you might want to say part of this is terrible, but parting words, right? <laughs> like, give me a bumper sticker in two, three seconds, oh, yeah. Joshua. <laughs> That's not fair.
1: Uh, well, the parting words is just thank you so very much for being open to have these type of conversations, to open up your network, to really understand, I would say, Black culture and understand that we do have a long way to go, but it starts now, you know, it starts Taking those steps now, you know, the first step to healing is what they say, like in recovery, like the first step to recovering is to admit that you have a problem, (laughs) you know? So the first step is to admitting If Once you admit that you have a problem, then it's really time to really set some parameters in place so that we can all be successful. America is better when we are all successful, all right? You've already had a 400 year start. It's fine, live in that. I wouldn't give that back either, but open up the door. You know, the door doesn't need to be closed anymore. Let's open up the door of opportunity to get other people to start living their best lives. So thank you so very much for having me on the show. You can connect with me if you like on LinkedIn, Joshua Mundy, M-U-N-D-Y. And I do consulting and different things on the side as well. So Dot com and then pivot technology school so it's pivottechschool.com pivottechschool.com if you want to get involved in that. So thank you so very much
0: you're welcome. Thank you Joshua so much. Such a powerful conversation with actionable steps to break down the economic disparities confronting the lives of people of color. Workplaces must do more than simply include minorities for a brochure photo or to hold up as an indication of their wokeness. Moving forward, workplaces must reflect all employees. The how behind bringing that initiative to its fruition will bring very creative and forward-thinking actions. Our thanks to Joshua Murphy, co-founder of Nashville's Pivot Tech School for sharing his vision with us and speaking truth into the barriers to success people of color continue to come up against as they work to create a future for themselves and their families. It is not acceptable to simply ask people of color to create communities of success for themselves. This othering only sustains the systemic racism in the country. Joshua demands that all companies and corporations understand what they are missing by not employing and then embracing employees of color. There is work to do, and each of us with the power to hire must share this episode to fully understand what the work entails. I know we will get there. Thank you for listening to this episode of 3AM, What's Keeping You Up at Night? Our thanks again to Relationary Marketing for their continued support, and all of you across the globe for your interest in the work we do at the McFarland Group. As 2020 ends, we wish everyone a much brighter 2021. Until next time. (music) Oh, <music>